Hello and welcome to the 74th episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast, the podcast where we talk transportation, traffic, infrastructure, and all things that get you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am Denver 7's pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Beware of construction, both in the roads and in the Denver 7 building, including right outside of Shoebox Studio. Yes, so if you hear some sawing, drilling, hammering, nailing, cursing. Lots of cursing. (laughs) That's all thanks to Dennis, the building guy. Loves to curse. Oh, you're not kidding. And if you get him talking about some subjects, he just won't shut up. Just will not shut. Just won't leave you alone. That's 100% on and on and on. Accurate. It's like, come on! I have things to do. We've been here talking for three hours. All right. So <laughs> one of the most bizarre stories I've ever heard of, Joseph. Toronto can now add crab assault to its ever-growing list of weird stuff that happens on their subways. Crab assault. Assault on a crab. No, not salt on the crab. Assault of the crab. Ah. So you know how there's some people who don't like other people sitting next to them when they're on a train or a bus, right? And, and usually what they do is they'll put a bag or something else like that on the seat next to them so it'll prevent somebody from sitting, sitting right there. Well, there's this guy who was on the subway in Toronto. And you know there's that little section. It's usually right near the door. There's those three seats that, that face to the back. They have the back up to the, to the window, and they, and they face out to the aisle. Different than the ones that, that face forward, right? So there's usually those three seats, and then there's the two seats right in front, like the front two seats that will let you see the front of the train next to those three seats next to the side, right by the door. Well, anyway, this guy pretty much backs himself up into there, and he is on the forward-facing seat next to the window, and he put a live crab... That's right. A live crab, four of them, each with its own seat, one on the each of the three seats, and then one on the seat next to him to keep people from, well, sitting next to him. How do we know that that was the reason he put those crabs on their own individual seats? Maybe the crabs need space. Well, maybe they do. However, the passengers say the man barricaded himself in there into that little quiet spot, and a girl walked by, and and she thought there was a free seat there. Well, then she saw the crab. Oh, no. She let out a small, shocked scream, and she kept walking. But about 30 seconds later, she comes to her senses. She comes storming back and started berating the man for taking up so many seats with his crabs. The woman then smacks each of the crab off its individual seat, sending it into another woman's lap. That is crossing the line. And one onto a woman's foot before this woman then storms off. The man properly accused the woman of both crab assault and human assault, given that the crab had landed on a human. Well, that's not fair. If the crab landing on the human is then the crab attacking the human, then why is the crab there in the first place? Well, I think the crab only attacked the human because the human made the crab attack a human. Well, that's the owner's fault, though. Yes. Well, the man picked up his crabs. He was upset with his with the crabs being, you know, thrown around. The, assaulted. Assaulted. And, and he put them back in their individual seats, and, and the drama apparently just ended there until he left the train. Now, the Toronto Transit Authority spokesperson said that the crabs are not permitted on seats, even if they're accompanied by hot-drawn butter and a bib. That's the way I enjoy my crabs. 
And unless a crab is a service crab or emotional support crab, and we're doubtful this is the case. Well, even emotional support crabs aren't allowed anywhere anymore. They should be. We now need to add crabs to the ever-long growing list of emotional support animals. I turn to crab legs for support when (laughs) I'm sad and I need a delicious dinner, and that should be the end of it. This is one of the most bizarre stories we have ever talked about here on the podcast. I mean, that seriously, that is weird. A guy with, with live crabs putting them on the seats, and there's some video from a guy who... You can see the crabs kind of kicking their little crab legs <laughs> on the plastic seats, and they're not going anywhere. I didn't. I thought the seats were cushioned. The fact that they're plastic makes it a little bit different. Oh, you hear great. all those crab legs tapping around. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, two other tra- odd transportation stories for you this week. Uh, one where a guy was driving in the UK, so he was pulled over for being on his phone while he was driving. Now, during the interview with police, the 23-year-old man admitted to having a massive cocaine drug dealing operation. <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, officers immediately noticed him shaking and sweating, and so he was a little bit freaked out, and then he just blurted out that he was on drugs and had lots of drugs at his house. He was arrested. Well done. And no matter what your firearm looks like, you can't bring it past security at any airport. Not even if it's My Little Pony Pink. Mm. A woman was arrested for having a all-pink 9mm handgun, and yes, it was loaded with eight pink-tipped bullets right there through security. Not only was she arrested, but she could also get a fine of about $13,000. I mean, just I'm, right, just because it's pink doesn't mean it's less dangerous. No, it's uh, but it's fashionable to have a pink gun with pink bullets, so at least you're... Uh, fashion sense is going to be intact while you're shooting somebody dead. Correct. If it matches the heels and the lipstick, we're good to go. We are great to go. That's the way it goes. I guess. I don't clearly don't know. <laughs> well, at a time when Americans are more stressed than ever, the desire to find serenity and calm along the chaos is really on the rise. Now, according to a new study from Volvo and Harris Poll, more Americans report finding serenity on their daily drive, 20%. Then doing yoga, 14%. Well, that's just because more people drive than do yoga. You think so? Yeah. I mean, so yoga, you think if the same amount of people were doing yoga as driving, they would pick yoga over driving? 100%. I like driving. I like driving, too. And I understand the, the idea of getting serenity behind the wheel. I mean, it, it's a very calming experience, especially if you live somewhere that's a low-traffic area. But if your drive every day involves like sitting in the bumper-to-bumper of Los Angeles or a city like that... How would you find serenity in that? Because you're listening to this podcast. You might be listening to Yanni. You might be, I don't know, doing some other kind of books on tape of some sort. There's a lot of other things that can happen in the car that can be stress relieving, even if you are in a stressful commute. I just want you to know we learned something very important about you right there. Your go-to for serenity was listen to Yanni. Oh, yeah. Or, Or Zamfir and his pan flute. Love me some damn fear. Love those pan flutes. Oh, man. If we can get some electric pan flutes, we got it. <laughs> Next week. We got something right there, baby. The study reveals that 76% of working Americans have a stressful commute. I am not one of those because my commute comes at 3 o'clock in the morning. Stress is amplified as drivers' commute lengthens, not just while driving, but also around juggling other life's responsibilities. So one in four would give up social media for a month, while one in five would stretch their budgets 
to buy a more relaxing vehicle? Hmm. Hmm. 84% say they feel more relaxed in their own vehicles compared to using mass transit. And there, my friends, is the reason why people don't want to ride on the bus or the train. Correct. 100%. And I don't think, how do you change that? I find serenity on the bus, but again... There's more serenity when you're just driving by yourself. Yes, because people like to be by themselves to let the gases flow, if you know what I mean. Yes, sir. Play that music as loud as you possibly can. Uh, and all of that stuff. It's just people like to be by themselves for the most part, especially here in the West. Now, we've had a lot of influx of other people from around, but typically Westerners like to be left to them th- them themselves. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, they feel more relaxed and safer in their own car rather than you're more on edge when you're around other people. doesn't matter if you're on a train or a bus or at work or whatever. You're, you're just more on edge when you're not by yourself, mm-hmm. I think. And it's not just drivers who are feeling the pain. Apparently, 72% of passengers in a car also find the riding experience stressful. Hmm. That, that, that seems little high i i get it though i mean the idea of riding shotgun with just about anybody you know you're always watching the road not really sure if if they're going to have the same reflexes that you do yes that is true i've had to let go of those controls because when i was flying in the helicopter for so long i'm sitting next to the pilot and and there's really when you get in that aircraft or in this case let's say a car as a passenger there's really nothing you can do you are a passenger and you just have to let happen what happens. Well, in the car, you just like move your right foot like you can hit a brake that's there. It's just not there. <laughs> Unless you're in one of those training cars where you have the dual controls. Mm-hmm. So the DOT here in Colorado is seemingly in love with express lanes. They are in place on several highways. They're already coming to several more. We have a cap on the highest price that can be charged on those trips here in Colorado, as does Los Angeles and Miami and some other places. But there's other places, other cities and states that do not have a cap on how high those tolls can go. Interesting. So one of the places is near Washington, D.C. It's in Virginia. And without that cap, the tolls on a nine-mile stretch of I-66 have hit almost $50 because of surge pricing. Wow. That's about five bucks a mile. Wow. $50, and people are paying it, even as it gets up to $25, $35, $45. People are getting in that toll lane and still paying that toll. Imagine how wide open that express lane must be compared to everywhere else. Well, that's why they're doing it. They're trying to get the price so high that it deters people from getting into it and therefore opens it up. That's the whole idea of the supply and demand. Well, I mean, in the flip side of that, obviously, is that my tax dollars are going to pay for a road that I'm never going to use that's not going to really reduce traffic on the roads that I do use. And if anything, as the population grows, those roads are going to get more condensed. Now, through March I-66, the express lane drivers, they've paid about $6 million in tolls. That's since March. State officials expect that to hit $12 million by the end of June. Wow. Uh, You're looking at a $25 million toll road right there. Nearly half of that money will go to a regional transportation commission, with the rest paying off uh, operations, maintenance, and enforcement of the high-occupancy vehicle restriction. So this is important because some states are considering doing away with their toll caps, like Washington State. Outside experts are recommending raising or eliminating their $10 cap on a 15-mile section of I-405. 
uh, just east of Seattle. Now, in Utah, the State Transportation Commission there last year gave officials authority to quadruple the top express lane toll on I-15. And in Southern California, the top toll on I-10, I-110 has risen six times since 2016, most recently in March, and now stands at about two bucks a mile. About six months ago, the new express lanes opened fully there in Austin, Texas, and it has no toll limit, none. So the highest toll so far on that 11-mile section of road has been $10.13, just under a dollar a mile. However, they're expecting that to go much, much higher as more people use it. In some places, the express lanes are, are shared with the high-occupancy vehicles. Like here in Colorado, you can share some of the toll lanes with high-occupancy vehicles, but you have to have three people in there and not just two. Mm-hmm. So there are other toll roads here. It doesn't matter how many people. You could have 40 people in the car. Still, they don't have. it's just a toll only like they will have down here on our loop connector on 470 around the city. They're going to have a new toll. And it's going to be based on this same. They, we do have a cap. Right. However, they won't have the HOV option. So it doesn't matter if you have five or six or 12 people in your car. You still have to pay the toll, which I think is short-sighted. Well, I mean, it's going to deter people from using it, but it's also going to probably increase revenue, right? Probably. Most Ugh. definitely. And as it turns out, Joseph, that Adam West, the late, great Adam West, who was the original Batman... He, he, well, didn't spend all of his time solely protecting the citizens of Gotham. In this never-before-heard public service announcement from 1966, Adam West, right there, the old, the original Batman, Adam mm-hmm. West, in full costume, he traveled to London, and he wanted to teach kids about traffic safety. So take a listen. Hello, citizens. I'm taking a holiday from crime fighting in Gotham City. No rest from danger, though, because all around us is that deadly, daily danger, traffic. I admire the way all you British children triumph over this danger by learning and using the road safety code, like curb drill. Before crossing the road, you stop at the curb, look right, look left, Look right again, and then only if the road is clear, walk quickly across. Now, children, how does it go? At the curb, stop. Look right, look left, look right again. If all's clear, walk quickly across. Remember, be smart, be safe. Always do your curb drill. What you can't see, unfortunately is how at the end of the video, he picks up one of the kids and just stares awkwardly into the camera for around 10 seconds. Oh, Adam West. Family guy's own Adam West. The, <laughs> yeah, the video has all the endearing cheesiness of the old duck-and-cover nuclear war films from the 1950s. Is that what we're calling it, cheesiness? Cheesiness, yeah. Okay. The real question here is where's Robin? Mm. Is he, did he not make the flight? No, clearly. His passport not clear? Did he not clear customs? It's just a cost-cutting measure. I mean, why why wasn't he invited to lend a helping hand in teaching these kids how to cross the street? Mm. I think Robin should feel very slighted. Robin was slighted his entire life, to my knowledge. <laughs> so, <laughs> Poor guy. 
Uh, well, anyway. Coming up, we have uh, no, all other great stories, including in Bangkok, where drivers are asked to stop doing something specifically that is ruining pedestrians' lives. Ruining. That and so much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. Hey, everybody. Sarah Kluper with Denver 7, the morning show. Hey, watch us every morning, Monday through Friday, because, you know, I'm on it. Now, if I wasn't on the team, I would watch Denver 7 for the Jason-Lisa bickering that they do every, every morning. They're like brother-sister. I love it. It, may, it adds to the dynamic. We're just a great team, and it's, people need to watch. Eric Lufer, only on Denver 7. The hardest part about getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning is the night before because, you know, you've got kids. You want to be active with them. I want to put them to bed. I want to redo them. I want to be able to watch a movie with them, but it's really hard to because we have to wake up so early. So the hardest part about waking up early is going to bed early. But it's worth it because, honestly, I love this morning show, and I don't think I would ever want to be on another shift because I, I work with great people, and, you know, giving you what you need to know to get out the door every morning I think is important to me, and it's important to, to my job. And, and what I do as, as a meteorologist. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous and ever-popular Driving You Crazy podcast. I am Jason Luber. You are Joseph Peters. That's correct. And according to an Oxford University psychologist, the top 10 jobs for psychopaths are CEO or business executive, number two, a lawyer, number three, a media personality. Yep. <laughs> so wait, wait. But then on number six, it's journalist or news anchor. Also correct. So am I a media personality or am I a journalist slash news anchor? Either way, you're on the list. Either way, I'm in the top. If you combine the three and the six, then I'm, I guess, four and a half. <laughs> right? I mean, anywhere in the top 10 is bad, right? Oh, really bad. Uh, rounding it out, if you if you were interested, number four was salesperson. Number five is a surgeon. Number seven, police officer. Religious official is number eight. Nine is a chef. And 10 is civil servant, like military, city council, corrections, that sort of thing. That's like all of the jobs. Those are all your jobs right I, there. I mean, no, but that's You know what real. didn't make the list? Postal worker. Or waiter. Or waiter. Restaurant worker, bartender. Or actual psychopath. That job did not make the list mm. of the top ten jobs for psychopaths. Low-paying job. Drivers in Bangkok have been told that to halt all their drive-by splashing. Mm. Apparently every year during the Song Krang Festival, people inside cars and on motorbikes throw water at pedestrians. Throw water at pedestrians. Yes, they throw water at pedestrians they're not just driving through puddles no 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 throwing it out the window the police say if you're going slow enough and you're going to throw the water out of the car off off the motorbike and onto somebody stop the car or bike and then do the water throwing (laughs) please come to a complete stop before throwing the water i hate all of this this is terrible (laughs) what country what country is is bangkok no this is in Bangkok. Can, do they just do it to tourists? Is it just a thing that they do so they have an excuse to throw water at tourists? Uh, maybe. No, it's it's a, it's a festival. Almost oh. a thousand people were hurt during the festival in road accidents. The problem here is lots of passengers apparently riding on motorcycles or people on the back of a pickup truck uh, are falling over. 
That's as they're a- throwing the water at passerbys, or vice versa, when the vehicles are moving, they're falling out. That's not a festival <laughs> if a thousand people get injured. That that's, is a that's festival. That's a crime scene. That's the people falling off of moving vehicles that's festival. Awful. The biggest cause of road accidents was speeding followed by drunk driving. Can you imagine if that happened in America? <laughs> like if just in Dallas next week a thousand people got hurt when they were all falling off of cars as part of the festival where everybody falls off cars and throws water out the window of pedestrians? Bangkok problems. Ugh. <laughs> it's great. Well, we've talked several times about the creative ways to bring to light the issue of neglected roads, especially when it comes to potholes and the ones that go unfilled for a long, long time. Well, a man in Swindon, which is in southwest England, it's west of London, he decided to drown some dolls in some water-filled potholes as a protest against poor road maintenance. Why? 56-year-old Neville Daytona. Excellent name. Bought the dolls in a thrift shop, and then he placed them in particularly deep potholes. So far, he's only chosen long-haired blonde dolls like Barbies, rather than any Ken dolls or action men. It's an odd-looking scene when you see the picture of this Barbie doll with its body all the way up to about its neck or so, chest, covered in water in a pothole on a road. Well, I mean, so they're not drowning. No, because their heads are above water. It implies that the dolls are, like, completely submerged and that, like, he's taking all the life out of their bodies. And that's, like, that is creepy, right? Technically, I guess they're just having a bath. I think they're, like, chilling in the hot tub, right? Because it's several of them. Right. Yeah. It's a party in the pothole. It's a pothole bird bath. There you go. Something like that. Now, Neville says that the suffering dolls were supposed to warn fellow motorcyclists, especially motorcyclists, which uh, parts of the road are to avoid because of the potholes. Nope. Doing it for attention. <laughs> Let's be honest doing it for here. Attention. Just doing it for attention. He says on a motorcycle or a bicycle, you have to swerve all over the road to avoid these potholes, and it's easier to see when you have a doll sticking halfway through the water. Well, the stunt worked as Swindon Borough Council now stepped in to fix the underlying issue and repair the road and all the potholes. Neville was inspired by a man from Manchester who spray-painted the body parts of naked men around potholes to encourage the city there to make some repairs. So he on the road he was he was spray painting art yeah. that looks like men. Th- that that just makes too much sense. <laughs> we can see anybody doing that, right? Neville Daytona took it to another level. Neville Daytona is somebody we should get on the podcast. Yes, from Swindon, of course. He could have a great accent. Uh, when you hit a pothole, by the way, wouldn't it be nice to send the repair bill to the state? Yes. Because a lot of people get a lot of damage, and usually you just take care of it with your insurance company. Well, there's a bill working its way through the Michigan legislature right now that would require the Michigan Department of Transportation to create a publicly accessible website for people to report potholes and would increase the amount the state could pay a driver to reimburse them for pothole damage. It would go from $1,000 to $5,000 to repair their car. Perfect. That would at least cover the deductible, right? You would think so. Now, current law requires that any damage claim higher than $1,000 has to go to the state court of claims. And here's the controversial part of the bill, though. It would also eliminate immunity for government officials if they don't fix a pothole within seven days of finding out about it. Current law gives municipalities 30 days to fix a pothole before they become liable for damage to cars. So they know about it. They have to get out there quicker 
and fix it. That's a good plan, though. It's a great plan. They should absolutely be fixing these things quicker. And if that means hiring some more people, well, I mean, our tax dollars will support that, right? Right. Put them to work. And they'll spend less money in claims for these uh, cars that are damaged in potholes. And that's what we talk about all the time, and it's so frustrating. It's like the easiest way to put people to work is to really make an investment in transportation. Yes. And, like, this is exactly what our president talked about on the campaign trail, and he's made no actual progress towards getting it done. And that's the one... I mean, how much of a slam dunk is that, right? Fix our roads across America. Bring everything up to code. That would take so many people. How many, how many, how many people could they hire doing that if they really set out to do it? Potholes for the homeless. Oh. Is that a great campaign? Hundreds of thousands of jobs. Lots of jobs. Now, they are not long-lasting jobs because remember when we did the whole infrastructure deal the, um, with, uh, under President Obama – he gave a lot of money out to the states, and, and we did fix some roads and bridges and that sort of thing. But those, again, were just temporary jobs that only lasted a short time. There is so much, though, infrastructure to be done now that I think if we had a long-term money, uh, in, in influx of money, with a long-term bill of some sort coming out of the Congress that would last, let's say, for 15 or 20 years, that yeah. would then pour money back into the states for this, inf- not just a one-time, here's a billion dollars and go ahead and fix a road. If it's a perpetual thing, then we could have those jobs going for much longer. Well, but I think that is the argument, right, is that we should just be taking a much larger percentage of our tra- of our budget as a country federally and at the state level and devoting it towards transportation instead of other things and putting people to work in that way, improving the country. Yeah, unfortunately, this bill that's in Michigan, they admit it, they don't even think it's probably going to get out of committee. Sorry, Michigan. I know. Um, they've also drafted legislation there that would allow communities in, in a county to band together to create an infrastructure fund to help fix the roads in their town. And maybe that's what it's coming to, where we're all going to have to chip in in our own local level and then maybe get reimbursed by the federal government or, or however the case may be. Because I know in the, the original. Trump plan, it was a mix of public-private money that was going to get it done to try to make the private or the public money go a lot farther. Right. And the idea was to get people to invest at the local level and to get states to invest at the local level. And really what it was was a tax on people at the local level instead of at the state level, at the federal level. Any driver. We all just want to drive around on, on smooth, nice roads wide roads more lanes man yes i like more lanes not not everywhere more lanes but traffic is like a river if you can have more rivers yep that can move efficiently all the traffic that needs to be moved then you're going to have a good flowing transportation system and it can be a mix of roads and trains and whatever else you want to do the bikes and the tra- all. I that was, was going to say we. It we, has to be a mix. We are sounding very driver centric, and I am the pedestrian person. And like, y- yes, more sidewalks as well. Like, we need to improve things across the board for people in all modes of transportation. Yeah, it's not easy. It's obviously not easy. Um, and this is a topic that we've talked a lot about on the podcast, and I I guarantee we're going to talk a lot more about it as the uh, as the years go on. Certainly. So I like golf carts. You like golf carts? Who doesn't like golf carts? Love crashing golf carts. I, just, <laughs> I have a story about that that we will not go into. Perfect. There are basic ones, electric ones, gas ones. There's all kinds of fancy golf carts. My in-laws, they live in a little gated community that uh, they people, they have their little golf carts and they drive over to the pool or wherever they're going, right? 
Well, golf carts aren't the fastest, most comfortable, or spacious vehicles money can buy, but in Discovery Bay, it's an upscale residential development in Hong Kong, they are more coveted than Porsches or Teslas or any other luxury car. Get out of here. In the U.S., the average price of a nice golf cart is about ten grand, but in Discovery Bay, they can sell for $250,000. That is quite the markup for a golf cart. That's a house. Well, I guess not here anymore. I guess that's half of a house here in Denver now. <laughs> it shouldn't be. I mean, really, that should be money for a house, not a vehicle that barely qualifies as a car. I guess if you live in Discovery Bay, you have the quarter million to spend on a golf course. Well, yes, golf you cart. do. Because there is a reason for the madness. You see, the private passenger cars aren't allowed in that upscale neighborhood of Hong Kong. So residents require a special license for golf carts. And the number of which has been capped at 500 by their transportation department. So the demand for the motorized transportation in Discovery Bay is huge. And it's offset by a supply crunch that has catapulted the modest golf cart to a luxury vehicle status. But owning a golf cart in Discovery Bay isn't just about comfort and convenience. It's actually a great business investment because many people either rent one that they own to other people or they resell it for a nice profit. They can only be owned by residents who live there, who also own property in the area. But they can be traded between residents, and with prices skyrocketing, they're viewed as a solid investment unit. Get out of here, man. Yes. So you have to own property to own a golf cart. Yes. No homeless people sleeping in golf carts. No. So from business executives to handymen carrying tools around and nannies taking kids to school, the golf carts are driven by everyone in Discovery Bay. And, of course, public transportation and bicycles are available as well. But if you want private motorized transportation, they're the only way to go. Which explains why they're worth more than Teslas or other luxury vehicles. (laughs) Exactly. Now, if you're you're wondering why in Discovery Bay, why they don't allow private cars, the developer, Hong Kong Resort Company, they said they wanted the area to be viewed as a town with the environment of a resort. And after considering several options, they decided that the golf cart option – Worked best. So in recent years, they introduced electric golf carts to cut pollution even more. But there are those who wonder how much more expensive golf carts in Discovery Bay can get, especially since they've now surpassed the prices of some of the world's most luxurious cars. You could almost get a golf cart. Well, I guess you could buy a golf cart for almost the same price as one of those McLarens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could buy, realistically, either one of us could buy the car of our dreams. For the price of this golf cart in Discovery Bay. Yeah, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? Now, what's talked about is that the government there might burst their little bubble because they haven't increased the number of available licenses since the 1980s. And if they change it, obviously those prices will come down. But there's plenty of reason for them not to change it, right? Because all the property owners there who have the say in what the laws are are like, absolutely not. We bought these golf cart licenses. And basically... The government has turned all of them into taxis, right? Because or rental places. Yeah. Because you can rent one of these golf carts, I'm sure, and that's got to be a really interesting source of income. But I think it's just around that that one community. So you're driving your golf cart in and out of that place, and then where do you where? How do you get from there across Hong Kong? Well, you never leave Discover leave Discovery Bay, right? Because I guess that's not. what they're saying. They were trying to build a neighborhood that feels like a resort. 
Here you go. Here you go. Everything is contained right here. It's like the villages of Hong Kong. It is like Florida of Hong Kong. Yeah, the villages. Mm. America's friendliest hometown. Mm. Where all the old people drive golf carts and play golf for a dollar. God bless it. Oh, isn't that great? That's where I want to live when I'm old and feeble and I can't move anymore and do yard work like I tried doing yesterday. And yet then I have a hard time standing up just hours later. Oh, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> it's hard getting almost 50, I'll tell you that. The beauty of living in an apartment is no yard work. <laughs> Downsize, <laughs> like almost everything else, but the beauty of it is that you don't have to do yard work. Yeah. There, also, the downsides, uh, no yard work. Yep. Because you don't have a yard. Correct. Yes. Sometimes the benefits of a yard outweigh the maintenance of a yard, which is becoming ever and ever more difficult. The funny thing is that our apartment complex does have a yard, but it's really just this patch of grass in the middle of Denver. And it's really for dogs probably to go pee in. 100%. It is like just urine in a little bit of dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. Oh, yeah. So you need a good gully washer to... Hose that thing out, don't, right? Don't walk through it. Oh, yeah, I won't. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Or at the Denver Public Library. Pro tip. Library, don't, don't walk through there either. You might be about the same kind of stench. Just don't go inside. No, not at all. Or try to use one of their restrooms. We do love the library system. <laughs> we love the library system, just not their clientele that hang out in the bathroom for a couple of hours. Well, Anyway, that's uh, about it for the podcast here as we've uh, diverted off to a... <laughs> Road less travel. A place that might get <laughs> cut after. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks again for being here as always. If you need to reach out to us, uh, use a very long arm. Until then, have a great day. <laughs> That's great- correct. There you go. That's correct. Until then, I'm Jason Liver, the traffic guy. I'm dollar golf enthusiast Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.